Hello, Footkind, and welcome to Chicago's Baseball Podcast, episode 20. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the executive producer, the best in the business, the commissioner, the number one projection of Korean baseball right now going on, the one and only, the great Matt Wentz. What's up, buddy? What's, wait, what, what's up? What's that supposed to mean? Well, I mean, what I is happening? What is up? I mean, what are you doing? How many how many blogs have you done today? I I done like. Well, what are you what, what I mean what what uh, you know what what's up with you? What, you know what are you doing? I've been busy. You know. I've been busy. Really? Like what? I mean, what? I done I done blogging and I done some podcasts. I done I done some blogs. So you know. That's I'm it. Like, I mean, okay. I mean, I'm busy and I'm I'm working too. You know. I mean, really, that's it. I've done 20. All right. Is that a lot? Yeah. I've been on the sh- I did the show. I did your mom. You know, I've been busy. All right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well then. I'm, then I'm doing well. What have you been doing? Yeah, whoa. Another stab, I see, huh? <laughs> I'm just, you know, running a fantasy basketball league with all these transactions and all these you know, stupid trades that are going on and <laughs> have to make sure that's all right and keep putting it in and, you know, make sure everyone's got their right players in. Now I'm doing well. That was a, that was a skit, but yeah, I'm doing well. <laughs> I like that. I'm glad Thanks. me and Jack uh, will enjoy that one. Yeah, the only two, you and Mac are the only two people are going to get that. That's fine though. That's all right. Speaking of Max, our guests coming from the great city of New York, Gotham City himself. What's up, Max? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How's the gesture? Are you busy? Uh, I've I've stayed pretty busy. Again, being in the restaurant business like Matt, um, we're we're slower when it comes to guests and and transactions, but it feels like it's 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 a busier and more hectic time right now. So it does. Essential workers. Yes, essential workers. The hardware store yep. has been packed like unbelievable, especially on weekends. Can, yeah, yeah. This past weekend was like super nice in New York, and I think everyone got their fill of being outside. And the restaurants have been super slow. So, yeah. It's just, again, it's just it's weird. Uh, maybe there's some anxiety with everything starting to open back up in other states and. It's just again, I I the last couple of days have almost been as weird as the first couple of days of this whole um you know pandemic yeah. and everything going on in the city. It's just been a weird few days. Every day's weirder than the next. Just in that way you said it is is so true. Even today was today was weird because I mean I was dead. We were dead just probably because you know I think sinking the mile, but um yeah, it's every day is just different and weird. Yeah. Yeah, and people, these customers are just out of their minds. You know, I think they went from being very appreciative and and caring, and now they're just back crazy and just need to get out and want to interact and are tired of being cooped up. Yeah, yeah. Like this past weekend, I took a road trip to a brewery and picked up some beers, and it, it was nice to get out of the house. But at the same time, it's like it. 
it just puts you, it just puts everything in perspective when, I mean, I go to the city every day and it's kind of becoming a new normal, but you know, being on the roads and, you know, they're still empty and, you know, approaching this guy and to pick up the beer that I, I placed online for curbside pickup. And it's, he's like, he basically just drops into my hands and runs away. It's, it, it's just, it's a very, it's just weird. And um, you're returning to normal and, I, I don't know when I'm going to be comfortable sitting on a train that was as packed as it was three months ago. What was normal for me three months ago is going to be very awkward and cause some anxiety for me um, when things do start to fully to fully reopen and more and more people are back to to a normal or a new normal. And again, it's, it's been so long since I've been on a train with more than 15 people that when I am, it's like, okay, I just need to switch cars because I, I want, I've gotten used to sitting down and being, being comfortable and no one being around. Yeah. And that with not divulging too much information, there are some States that have opened up their, you know, dining rooms, you know, talking about the restaurant industry and just yeah. playing off of what you just said, Max, you know, uh, there's been some feedback from some people being very grateful um, that I've seen online and, you know, within the company that I work for, that they can sit down in a dining room. And to me, I'm just very skeptical of doing that. Um, I didn't eat in dining rooms that much as, you know, in, in general anyways. Like, I mean, I went to bars with, you know, you guys and things like that and hang out, I guess, in restaurants. But like, I don't know. I just, I don't know if that's something I would, I would personally say being grateful to have a dining room and place to sit. I just feel like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, it was, it was weird to hear that, I guess, that people are grateful to have somewhere to sit and eat. But uh, again, yeah, I, my lifestyle during lunch, I don't go out for lunch and things like that. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like I said, we went to a brewery, we picked up beers and afterwards we went to like this little hole in the wall fish spot right off the coast in Connecticut. And, um, there was like six picnic tables set up and I was like, it's so nice outside. I got this beer in the trunk. I got this, a couple of lobster rolls in my, in my hands. I, I want to sit at that picnic table and enjoy, fully enjoy this experience. But it's like, nope, just get in the car, drive another hour and a half back home. And, you know, well, that would have been call nice. Day. Yeah. So oh, nice. it's just, again, it, it what I want to do and, but at the same time, like I said, I, I feel uncomfortable on a train with more than 20 people. And I used to, you know, not be able to move in a train car 90 days ago. So it's just, it, it, I want to get back to normal, but at the same time, I'm tentative to get back to normal completely. So. It, just a weird story. We went with the kids, took them to a forest preserve where we kind of did a picnic and hiking a little bit. And there, you know, we stayed our distances and, I mean, it wasn't the, the best of choices to do, but we needed to get out of the house. I'm only off one day a week. And I'm like, I just, I wanted to get out. I didn't want to be in the house. I wanted to be out. So anyways, uh, after that, we went and got, I had to get gas. I'm getting gas and I get out of the car to pump gas. And there's this older woman who looks like the witch from the sword in the stone. If you can, if you remember that, but she looks like that. That's like literally what she looked like to me. And she puts up her fingers like in a cross and does that hissing sound like and says stay away and yeah. i was like what the fuck what's going on like, maybe she's stay and, away and then she put me. the down what maybe she's to stay away from you yeah well <laughs> and she puts 
her hands down and she's like, I'm just kidding. I just needed to make someone laugh today. I'm like, I'm like, I didn't really laugh, but I'm just kind of scared. Yeah. And then she's and I was like, all right. But um, yeah, I think, uh, man, people need a good laugh every once in a while. That's all. Yeah. Hell, dude, I need baseball. I need something. Except the, yeah. <laughs> except the Korean baseball. I mean, I can't do it, dude. It's going to be really hard for me to watch a single KBO game on ESPN. Really? I mean, every, I don't know, every, I don't know, I don't know they, the they players. Don't, I don't know. Leaders. Yeah, it doesn't want you to hit a home run. Look at that um, Machado kid. He had a home run yesterday, didn't he? Or today, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll definitely tune in, but I might tune out pretty quickly. So we'll see. That's what most people are doing right now with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll get on to the, the, what people have been coming for. But before we do, uh, today's uh, episode is Dom, mine, and Matt's draft strategy. Uh, I'm sure his would love to be on the podcast. Uh, we got our draft day best picks and bad picks. We're going to discuss the new divisions and m- what about minor league guys. But before we get to that, Maddie, uh, any Google Doc updates? I didn't do it. I, I actually thought about it today, and that's what made me think about actually doing a podcast. So, uh, no, Dom and – I mean, uh, Max and um, Gus and then mine and Sean's trade is what's not in there. And I will do it, Max. I, I will do it. I'll yeah, the, do it probably. the boycott has to end at this point, right? You, you've made it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. Max, how do you um, feel about him stealing Hosmer from underneath you? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a sore, sore subject. Hey, oh, no, all I'm saying is I feel a lot like Matt, where it's like I offered, I offered Sean a lot more. <laughs> I did, I did, I did get the trade. So it is. I mean, I, I like Hosmer. It might be, it might be a one-off. It might be a weird thing. It might not happen. But I just there's some data. There's some data in his in his um in his stat cast and his batting, like just expected stats where I like Hosmer if he can make a couple corrections. So as well as I do. But yeah, sorry, there's nothing I I will update it though. Excellent. All right. So thank you. Um I'm sure you'll get around to that. There's no He hasn't I mean there's been he he's an essential worker. He doesn't have time to update these these spreadsheets and stuff. (laughs) Just unlock it. Let's. Oh, Scott I'm, do too, it. I'm Let too busy. I'm it. trying to. Uh, I'm too busy looking at my '90s draft strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're on the ball. What a difference a week makes from you. You know, yeah, from the '80s and become a hot mess, and now you get to the '90s and you're uh, you're ready to go. So that's good. I, I, I honestly, like a lot of that was just frustration and everything, and then I, uh, you know, I owe a little bit of a. Uh, you know, tip of my hat to Scotty. He was, uh, I kind of texted him a couple of times through it through before we started the next one. It was nice. Um, so he, he, was, he was just talking to someone about it. Just, it was, I was all over the place. I literally had three different windows up. I was using, uh, roster resource. I was using, um, fan and I was using MLB and I just didn't know which site to use. And I was like, I thought it was easy and it wasn't. And then my spreadsheet, uh, it's so frustrating, but I do have a secret weapon. So, well, I think everyone did appreciate you leaving and uh, giving us a week to uh, get our stuff 
back together in order and do some more research. And so I think, I think you actually did everyone a favor. At least I feel you did a favor for me, at least for me, because <laughs> I literally was like between the picks, like frantically, like looking up things, scrolling up and down, hoping that it wouldn't get sniped. And uh, it was a lot easier after uh, going through the first round. Yeah. Having that week off to get some, check some things off and, you know, get, get a better updated list. Yeah. It's like, I was, you're able to highlight like, you know, those five to 10 guys and it's like, okay, these are the five to 10 guys I'm just going to take. And now that that we kind of pause halfway through it, we can readjust and find five or 10 more guys that might fit where we're at and where we need to go. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm not buying beer. I don't think Dom's buying beer. I think Matt's the only one buying beer on the podcast right now. I owe Dave. I owe oh, Dave you what? More. Oh, you owe and Dave. I'm really, really scared. I texted him. I'm like, please keep this under fifty dollars. I don't want to be paying. You know, how much? You own one beer. I own four. We should just get oh, four, four old styles, man. <laughs> Is that Benny? Send him four uh, old styles. Yeah, just send him four. Send the styles. other two to Maddie. <laughs> you fill up a six pack. I want four to go here and two to go to this. To here. This is really popular. I'm surprised you don't like it, Dave. Yeah, I actually, I, I owe Niz one. I saw a beer that I, I should have got for him already, um, but, uh, but I didn't. I should have got it for him. I, I'll get, Niz, uh, send me a, what you want. I'll, I'll get you a beer and I'll send it to your house for sure. Nice. All right, we will move on to uh, my uh, draft. Uh, my draft. Um, we'll move on to my draft. Um, I guess you sure? <laughs> I had a few uh, beers, so uh, bear with me. Um, you know that's a prerequisite. Have... The yes, beers are a prerequisite. Yes, and, and it's got to be in a certain side of a glass. <laughs> yes, it has to be in a Goose Island class tonight. Um, so, so we're gonna, me and Max are gonna take over this part of it, Dom. Then, and then we'll switch roles and we'll move on when it's uh, my turn to talk about the draft. You okay with that? Yeah, go ahead. All right, Domino's draft strategy. Uh, Max, looks like you got a couple of questions here. Um, I'm gonna start off with one though, and okay. um, just. Uh, you had a you had a good amount of money, Domino, and you had a, a lot of uh, players to fill. When you were you know thinking about what you're going to do, did you have like a a cap on how many you know uh, quote unquote big dollar guys you're going to get? And did you also have a number of like um, you know contract type of guys you were looking for since you had so many guys to fill? Were you looking for a couple you know certain four year and three year guys? Um, as well so kind of a two-part question there yeah i i i needed i felt like i needed to get a number one i really wanted Degrom as my first one uh then if that uh didn't happen because i didn't know what memo was gonna do and i thought maybe ken might throw his hat in the ring because he had a bunch of money and um didn't need many picks um and then i thought maybe you but I thought that was a bit, but I definitely Memo mentioned he had the hometown discount, so I thought he might drive up the price on him, but uh, I really felt I needed to get him or a uh, Serger. I wanted to get 
one of those two. I felt like I really needed to get a, a n- big number one guy, especially with I didn't know what Verlander was doing. Obviously, Sale was out in that, so I felt I needed to get one of those two guys. Uh, and then I really wanted to get a, a big bat, and uh, Yelich was there, so I felt I really wanted to get him, especially with the way my outfield was. Um, I felt like I had the guys, but there also was a lot of question marks there. So I felt like to that question, I felt like I needed to get a top pitcher for sure and a top bat. Felt like having the most money, I could be able to do that, and that would get me back to even with everyone else. And then um, your, your other question, uh, yeah, there was guys I had, you know, obviously Triple A. I was I had a bunch of guys I was looking for, and then obviously uh, I really liked. Um, is he? Uh, Grisham was one of my guys I was looking at, and obviously last year I liked Murphy and didn't pan out, and I dropped him, and then I was able to pick him up again. And so um, I don't know if that answers both of your questions. Yeah, just to, I know Max was going to ask someone too, but the Triple uh, A spot, you actually didn't have one, and I know you traded it away with me with the, the trade that we had, and then you went and acquired one. And in inquiring a triple A spot before the draft, did you have like how deep was your triple A? I mean, how deep was your triple A, you know, draft board, if you will, your strategy for that? Did you have, you know, one or two guys in mind? Did you only have Julio Rodriguez? Cause you spent five bucks on him and, you know, definitely a, a good prospect. And, you know, I'm not saying it's not, I'm just saying like, you know, you, you went out of your way to go get a, make sure you had one for the draft. And so, you know, did you have a couple of guys in mind then? Yeah. Or were you just like, whatever comes to me? And I had about 12 guys, you know, obviously I, I, he was my number one guy I wanted, but I had about 12 guys, 10 to 12 that I really liked that I was willing. I knew they would, I could probably get one of them, but uh, I got uh, Julio and for $5, I was surprised he went for that little. Um, I thought someone else might be wanting to go after him harder, but um, I had about ten to twelve guys on my list that I was that I'd be wouldn't mind getting. I'd be happy with any of those guys. I figured I'd get at least one of them. Yeah, I, I I really like what you did with Julio Rodriguez at five bucks, especially considering what Chris got for eighteen in Christian Pache and Dylan Carlson. I think Julio Rodriguez. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but Julio Rodriguez is you know, a top five prospect right now. And Dylan Carlson might have impact this year, um, but I don't see him turning into a Soto type who Soto's at $17 in the league. And then Christian Pache, I'm just, I'm skeptical, skeptical of Atlanta bats. I mean, I've just been hearing that they, they rush their, ever since Acuna and Albies came up, they're kind of rushing these, these bat prospects um, to where, you know, he might not be ready this year or next uh, with whatever we have this year. And then maybe underperform a lot like uh, Austin Riley has uh, when they, uh, or did when they called him up last year. I I, got to follow up to that. We're going to talk about prospects later, but uh, the Atlanta system is one that I was, uh, I wanted to dive into a little bit and talk about, but I did a follow up to that too. So we'll talk about that later. You want to ask it now? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it later. I, okay. I don't want to keep talking about Dom's team. Sorry, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of trailed off there. All right, so uh, so Dom, I wanted to ask you about two guys in particular on your team. Um, 
Stanton and then John Gray. Um, going into the draft, did you have any kind of idea or what were you thinking when it came to a delay in the season? Because when you pulled that trade off with Matt, I think it was right when um, the delay in the season became not only talked about, but a realistic expectation. And then John Gray during the draft, I didn't really think about it, but Colorado immediately becoming um, like just not only is he, he's a decent guy that I'm sure you might have sat, uh, sat at home and started on the road, but did you have any kind of idea on those two guys of about where we currently are and what we're looking at when it comes to a major league season this year? When I made the trade, it was literally just like at the, the uh, beginning of the pandemic or just really like it escalating from like, yeah, it's just a cold, you know, you know, everything's fine. It's not a big deal. And then next thing you know, it was like, all right, schools are closed. Uh, nope, no more gatherings. And then like MLB was like, all right, two weeks. And I'm like, all right, this, this definitely helps me. Um, because mm-hmm. originally when I was going into the draft, I was like, as you could tell, I definitely went um, outfield uh, because of, I wasn't quite sure what was going to be happening in that. So uh, once uh, I heard about the definite delay, the late start, I definitely felt better about Stanton and like I probably could have got position help other way elsewhere than outfield but uh there'll be time to change that i guess and then gray yeah he was definitely one of those guys you know um i saw him there i um i was looking for dollar guys at the end because i really was trying to keep my uh money intact to close as close as possible about twenty dollars and i was right about the edge where I was pretty much dollar guys. I was going to be like right around 19. Um, so I saw he was there. Like you said, he's definitely a guy that depending on who was playing in Colorado and definitely where he was on the road, he was a guy that I felt like could fit in there. And it was a good stream guy. Uh, and for a dollar, I felt it was, I was happy to get him for a dollar. So, yeah. Then my, my other question is just about, I, I mean, maybe you don't want, maybe you will, maybe you won't talk about this, but when you, when you moved, when you moved your um, franchise tag to sky, were you talking to Matt about Stanton? Uh, maybe, I don't think I was, but uh, uh, I think he mentioned it maybe before. I can't really remember because he was always sending me stuff, but uh, when he, he actually had a, another trade, he was, he was trying to get Bregman and my franchise tag for a story. And I was really going back and forth. And like, like I said, I even, even emailed uh, Nick Pollock. Cause I really, uh, <laughs> I, you know, if it was just straight up, uh, it would have been, I probably would have done it, but I just felt like the years, the year and the money of Bregman made it pretty close the gap on a uh, story. I felt. Yeah. And then, the money difference he would have got back would have been right around $24. And then that would have enabled him to get his two guys pretty much for free plus $2. So I felt like me getting story and him getting uh, Bragman and then his two pitchers, I felt like I wasn't getting enough out of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, the uh, franchise tag that he got from Scott, that happened on 224. And then me and you made the trade on uh, 213. So we made the trade first, then they made that trade. And then and maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe acquiring Stanton gave him that gave Dom that luxury to say, now I can collect on my my franchise tag. Because as soon as as soon as uh, Servino went down, it was kind of like, Dom, what the hell are you going to do with that tag? Because, I mean, he was Louis Louis Servino by far and away, I think, was his best option. And then it kind of just dropped all the way to Solaire. But and Solaire would have been 11 bucks and he got him for 15. And I just think that that was a great move to where that netted Dom like another 10 to 15 bucks in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Like one, Definitely. Yeah. I, was, I actually lucked out when him, the when he went down was just the perfect timing. Cause like I said, you guys, I'm like, that was it. It was like, it was him. I was relying on the franchise and the rest of the guys were either. It was really just Solaire. That was it. He was the only yeah. other one. And I'm like, eh, I'm like 11. And I'm like, that's when I put out that I'm like, See what people will be willing to offer me if it's worth, if I can get something better than that, you know, Solaire, I would, I was going to do it. But then Sean and Sean and Scott were both very interested in it and ended up getting 15. I couldn't pass on that, uh, mm-hmm. the $15. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think, so what you're telling me is an injury before the draft, like Luis Servino, is better than an injury after the draft, like Noah Syndergaard. That's what you're telling me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Just, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't sure about that. Gus, take that note. Yes, an injury before the draft <laughs> is better than an injury after the draft. Yes. Yeah. So basically, I just lost thirty-one bucks. Great. Yes, that is correct. You want We should open another yes, beer. This is yeah. why you're. This is why you're more than an intern to the show. Yeah, I'm learning things. Um, we can. Kind of move on a little bit down with some of your good picks and some of your bad picks, and kind of walk us through that, and we can talk about it. And so maybe some of your good picks. You feel like you had some good picks. Yeah. Draft? Um. Obviously, I I was shocked that I got Solaire. I got him for sixteen, and I was able to hometown him and get a, a dollar back. Um. I thought that was another guy that had good power for me in the outfield, just in case if Stanton at the time was going to be delayed. I felt like he was a guy that could fill in, help me with the power numbers there. Um, I thought he was going to go for a little more. Um, Trent Grisham, uh, he was a guy that I, I'm really high on and uh, I wasn't going to go more than a couple bucks, but uh, to get him for a dollar. And I think that's a great spot for him. He's going to be in a good spot there. And then, um, what was the other one? And then um, Balmer for the White Sox uh, for a dollar, uh, especially now that it ends up looking like even a better deal, uh, especially with, you know, yeah, way uh, pitching is going to be if they do have a season. Uh, I thought he was a guy that could possibly, if, if there wasn't a delay, he could be a guy that could move into that closer role. But now it's even looks better. Uh, with who knows what's going to be going on with uh, relief pitching. So those were probably uh, my biggest one. Then I thought getting Gray for a dollar late in the draft, uh, there was good uh, – that was a good dollar spent there. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, those are all good. Uh, Max. Go yeah, I, I just, I really like what Dom did where he, he locked up Bieber in the off season and then he came back and, and snagged a girl. I mean, Dom had the money. He used that, he used that hammer to get basically the number two and three players on the draft board within uh, Yelich and DeGrom. And I think with his outfield concerns with injury, he, he locked that up with Yelich. And then, like I said, having Bieber and um, Bieber and Gallon and some other, some other pretty, you know, those SP two SB three and fantasies just to lock up um, a, an ACE into Grom. I, I think those were, those were dollars that might seem a little high, um, but they were dollars well spent. He, yeah, and I, uh, he, was, he just sorry. he wasn't afraid to spend the money. I mean, he he made aggressive moves. Definitely was. He locked up those two guys, um, and just was confident in the rest. Of the he was confident in the rest of his team and and the way it was structured going into the draft. And you know, those clicks those clicks from fifty eight to sixty three were probably the five hardest clicks in the draft for, or maybe they weren't for Dom. But I'm just guessing that those five or six clicks were tough on the bidding, but pull Yelich off of his team. And let's just say put in a somebody that I have put in a Bryce Harper and his team is a lot different. And those five bucks spent, I think really positioned him in a, to be the number one team, you know, uh, hands down when you listen to these podcasts. Yeah. I, I like the, I, I like the DeGrom. I, I, I think it was good that you went after someone like that. Um, you know, I, I, I've jokingly said you shouldn't have taken Yelich. Um, but I mean, he, you, you make him, you basically, by getting him, you make him your, your cornerstone of your team, I would say. Um, and you had the more money to spend and it showed because, I mean, we went a little bit of a bidding war with Sonny Gray. I know I went to the 21 and 22 and, you know, and then you got him for 23 and I definitely saw him as like a, you know, an 18 to 20 two dollar player if in that range and you know so i think that was a good buy at that price point and with the money you still had um i do like the julio rodriguez is your triple a spot and we can talk about triple a a little more later like i said um but i do like the julio rodriguez i I like um i like him as a prospect and looking at him on your team he's like one of the two maybe three guys on your team that are not a dumb guy if you will uh i look at your team and there's like it's like it's got you all over it. Like, this is your team. Like I can, I just, you know, there's a lot of things on this team that are, there are you, but the two things that are not are Julio Rodriguez and Trent Grisham. Those are like a little bit outside of your box. I would say um, maybe a little bit, maybe, uh, maybe Corey Seager, maybe a little bit, but um, uh, just knowing your draft strategy and I mean, your style and the knowing the way you play a little bit. I, I see a lot of you in this, but also see a little bit of, you know, uh, outside the box. And like how Max said, um, you weren't really, you were not scared to spend the money, which is probably the, not a player that I like the most. I like that the most about your team, that you were not shy about spending the money that you had, um, which is probably the best thing I like about your draft. Yeah. And then the least things, or maybe a, something you, you didn't like so much, Domino? Uh, probably, you know, Goldsmith, you know, he was the first basemans were just there was a run on them and uh weird. I didn't I was worried about that and I'm like he was there and I'm like 
and it was like it was sitting there about twenty, and I'm like, I can't let this guy go for that that so little. I'm like, and I got him. Um, that was probably one I wasn't uh, wasn't planning, but it kind of just it happened. Um, that one, and then um, then probably going after you know it wasn't a lot of money. I spent three dollars on Sinchu Chu. But it was another a guy that I felt like I might need uh, to cover some uh, holes in the outfield if I need it. So that was kind of the thing uh, there. So those were probably – and then uh, catcher, I like Murphy. Uh, I know there's a lot of upside there. Um, I was hoping to get one of some of the bigger ones, but I spent money elsewhere. I felt like spending money elsewhere – was better or at the, I thought it was going to be better for my team construction. So I thought I can go live with having that. So um, that's probably those players for me. Maybe Lance Lynn for no. 18, but he was the last big, I wasn't expecting to pay that much for him, but he was the last big strikeout guy out there. So. Tom, relax. If you pay attention to uh, Matt Wentz on um, the text string, Texas pitchers are going to be dynamite this year. Absolute dynamite. Oh, uh, you saw that? Of course I saw it. You sent a text. You think I just ignore, you I think I just I, ignore I your text? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Dom, I, I think you've got a great team. And, and, and to preference that, or, you know, so you got a great team, all right? But this wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't, you know, throw shade on you a little bit. So, and this is how I'm going to do it, is that – when you listen to all these podcasts that I listen to, there's always, you know, and more recently than not, there's pretty much, you know, it's, it's, it's your pans and your, uh, your, your fades or whatever it is, your, your picks and your pans. And then you get your, your guys and your not guys, whatever it is. There's a constantly uh, a consistent um, group of guys that I hear about. And the names that keep coming up are Paul Goldsmith, uh, Jansen, uh, Choose come up a little bit. Lance Lynn, Hansel Robles, and John Gray. So you got a lot of these guys that I feel like are kind of quote unquote like what I would call a Dom guy. And um, I'm just a little scared of those. I, I would be scared of, of those guys not panning out as much. The good news, or whatever you want to call it, is you still got money, and you scroll down. You got a good, you know, start to your. You have a good base with, with the guys you already have on your team. Um, to be honest, there's really not much bad I can say about it, but um, I, I'm not a really big fan of Goldsmith. And it, you signed him for two years at $21. I feel like that's just – I don't know. I would not have done that. And the um, – I know it's $3 for two, but at the same point in time, I mean, like – I mean, I pick on everyone else for picking players for a buck or two. Just – I didn't think you needed him. I almost say you could have just got, like, another – one of those um, up and coming relievers that could be a closer for a dollar or two and would have been better in, you know, for it. You have a lot of outfielders, but I mean, I'm kind of, you know, picking at things. Hunter Dozier, I'm not really sure why you needed to think you got him, but, you know, so be it. Um, but, he had, the, he had like, you know, multiple positions. The position flexibility. flexibility. Yeah. Well, I gotcha. I, I, I'm a little worried with Corey Seager. I'm not going to lie, too. I, uh, I see him as um, 
not feeling his full potential. I know it's seven dollars, but you got him for two years again. Um, I mean, if you look at it, you got twenty-eight dollars and two guys in Goldschmidt and Seeger that if they don't do what I guess you were hoping they're going to do, you're you're going to probably you know. I mean, I don't know. The good side of it is Paul Goldschmidt could go back to doing what he did last year, let's say, and Corey Seager could go back to maybe his rookie season or the season after it, and you'd be good. You're like, great, I, money well spent. But at the same point in time, if Corey Seager's hurt again every freaking third day and um, Gavin Lux is playing out of his mind and, you know, um, they got other people in that, you know, uh, you know, with the deeper bench and things like that and LA, he could be sitting on the bench or on the IL. I don't know. It's just something to think about, but you got, you get the depth and you know, who knows? Maybe Nick Mandrill comes up and you can play his ass. If he's any good, if he's any good, I, I, I honestly any, uh... am more confident. If I'm honestly more confident in Corey Seager <laughs> than I would be Nick Madrigal, but that's just me. I mean, I, I, again, this is, it's, it's all opinion. It's all a coin flip. And I, I honestly made a note to where I like what he did with Goldschmidt and Seager in two year deals to where it might extend his window um, to where, where he's, he's going into next year with some controlled players that he really likes and is able to build around again, Goldschmidt might fall flat on his face and that's the worst $21 ever spent. Um, but Seager could also blow up the world and be like, Hey, he, he he's going to go for 35 bucks next year because he performed like a top five and he has the ability of a top five um, uh, shortstop. At least that's where people were putting him three years ago before all these injuries for the last three years. So, or two or three, I can't, I, I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head, but again, it's all a coin flip, especially with the shortened season and everything that's going on right now. But um, yeah, I, I looking at his draft when the draft happened, Paul Goldschmidt at a two year deal, I would not necessarily agree with that, but now who knows the guy's old, but he's got a ton of rest and he might have a good year. He might have a good 20 games before the playoffs. So that's all you need this year. Just as a, just as a sign up, it was 2016. Just curious. I'm just, I'm not picking on your team down right here, but uh, I like, honestly, I, I looked at this like maybe two weeks ago, so I really didn't know. But he had 26 home runs, 72 RBIs. This is the year after his rookie season. So this is the year I was talking about. He had a 365 OVP, uh, three stolen bases, and runs was 105 runs. Wow. And only 157 games. Yeah. So that's not really. Only that's a lot. So that's Seager. He had a pretty good. He had a pretty good year that, that season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that was. Seager. Could he return to that? He's had injuries for the last two or three years, so we'll see. I right. mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty high on Seager. I got I got he Seager. He, he had more he had more RBIs last year than he did in every year previous, and he wow he's a yeah I, I i'd be more confident in seager than i would be like, in goldsmith i guess yeah i think I if seager's healthy i think it's money well spent for sure all right Indeed. matt let's talk about your team a little bit because that yes. was the next topic right so uh yes so it I, is roll I into mean, it I, boys as a person that just joined this league and i think he's listening Niz carefully. is Niz is Wait, hold on, real fast. Niz is listening to this right now. Is like cringing. He's like, "No, yeah. I want to be on well, this." I, no! I don't. I don't necessarily think the team is built to compete this year. And I, I, I think I see 
the strategy and what you're trying to do when I look at your four, three, and two year contracts. Um, but starting pitching, I just think going into the draft, you had money to spend. Um, what was your idea in getting all this discounted pitching? So I, I think one of the biggest flaws that I have are, you know, things that I got to probably overcome and try to do better at in um, drafts is that I set these Mm -hmm. dollar values for my guys. Right. And I I work really hard on it and I spend a ton of time on it. And I have this, I have this very narrow minded uh, view on it is that if my guys aren't, or if my guys go for more than this, and, you know, I, I have some buffers in there. I have some, some wiggle room, if you will. I don't, I will not go higher than that. I just won't. Cause I feel like that's not what they're, they're, they're not worth that. They're, I'm not going to pay that, that money for it. I have other guys later on down the line that I can get that will give me what I need in as far as categories. And I can pay, I'll pay that dollar amount for it. Um, the problem is every year in these drafts, it happens every year to me that I misvalue a lot of the starting pitching. I just misvalue it. I just, I'm not very good at determining what the value is or um, maybe on the flip side. And I think a little bit of it is that the guys that I try to go for and I try to get um, they're just boosted a little bit, or maybe there's a little bit more uh, people will spend a little bit more for it. Like, I mean, it happened like five or six times during this draft where I was like, seriously, like Sonny great, for example, or, um, PJ got three guys that I was like, are you Freed. kidding me? Freed I mean, somebody, what was the guy Freed, PJ Freed got? I was like, came up and he should and not. Yeah, where you, were, you were lower than I was on him. And then PJ went to 18 on him. And I wasn't go. I think I was in that three-way bid up until about 12 or 13 bucks. And then I was like, I, I'm done because I have pitching. I'm good. And I agree. Yeah. Max Free this year was my, um, um, my uh, what's it called from last year? Um, I can't even fucking remember the guy's name. Uh, on Jack. Ken's team, my um, Paddock. Uh, paddock, yeah, he's my Paddock. He was Freed was my Paddock, if you will. Um, so that after that happened, I was a little. I know it sounds stupid, but I was a little thrown off. And then, um, the the one guy that I wanted was the one the guy that Gus got in. Um the guy from Washington. I thought that if I could have got a Corbin and a paddock uh, like guy in freed with the six or seven guys that I was going to get in the draft, like a bum Gardner and a Bundy and um, um, uh, like a Turnbull kind mm-hmm. of guy, Matt's, if you will, a little bit. Um, I thought I'd be okay. I really thought that like, that would be an okay type of pitching. And then it all went to, basically went to shit because I didn't get really any of those guys. Um, now I, I will preface this in saying that before the draft, I always take a look at everyone's team and I basically, I kind of plan out or I, I don't know how I do this. I, I basically, I look at the, the season as a whole and say, can I make any moves with these people? Can I make any moves with these people? Can I, can I wiggle my way into this, top three or two or whatever it is. And if I feel like I can't, and I feel like there's just not a good chance this year for that, 
whatever it may be, it, maybe I'm talking too much or maybe my mouth is running too much and I know that I've, I've burned too many bridges or I, I've said too many stupid things or the players that I like are, are, are pretty much out there and everyone else is for them. Or, you know, maybe in, in, in this instance, in this year, there's two guys in Max and Dom that have money and they're definitely up and coming and they're like hungry. They're like fucking wolves and savages right now. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do what I need to do to, to, quote unquote, rebuild in the way that I do it. And that's kind of what it was. It was, it was me not, not quote unquote, stepping aside, but it was me saying, I'm not going to spend the money that Dom spent. I'm not going to spend the money that everyone else spent in this pitching because I'm fairly confident in my ability to get pitching off the waiver wire. Cause again, I still think that this is a week to week game. We can play with what we got every week and get to the next week and as PJ said before, as long as you get in, you got a chance to win it. Um, and that's that's where I took this. And again, yeah, these guys are not guys that anybody else would have. This is a strategy that I thought um, might work. And it was something I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. If it if it hurts me and it and it you know blows up in my face, so be it. I, I got a great team for next year, and I have depth in my AAA guys. I got depth in my my position players and, you know, having $39 right now. And maybe I see this not working, you know, quarter way into the season. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to save this and start flipping for some more cash. Um, and I got some guys to flip. I'm not saying I got a lot, but I got some guys. So um, that was essentially my strategy going into it. Um, once I got the players, I once I lost the players I wanted, I basically went straight into the take the pictures that you like, and see what you can go with it. Now, I will say this. There was a couple of guys on here that I thought in the talkings, in the, you know, text messages or the, the podcast that, I, you know, everything I do, I do for a reason. Half the shit I say is bullshit anyways. But, uh, I mean, I was talking to you about it, and I was telling you how much I didn't like Spencer. Yeah. Ball, and actually, was when you were saying that, I was, like, I was like, good, well, and, uh, I'm on him. I, I, I want him. And then, and then my – then. Then my misfortune of <laughs> picks and being short a pick happened, but that's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't. Yeah, and then the thing with Bowser, I knew me, I knew Niz wanted him really bad, but he, I, I started bidding on him when I knew he didn't have enough money to bid for him, so I knew I couldn't. He wasn't going to go much higher on that. Um, and then I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like I got three guys on my team that I really, really like think that are like. In Josh Lindblom, um, uh, King uh, Jim Kim, and I, I butchered that name, and Spencer Howard, I get three starting pitchers that no one's ever really seen before. No one knows what they're going to do. And in a certain season, these guys could come blazing out and be yeah. hot as yeah. fucking lava. I, and you, you, so, you mentioned it uh, just now is where you I, feel I, like a, a lot of times um, too many people don't view this league as a week-to-week league that or and they they reference roto and year-long stats when they're building teams or they're building they're building out their strategies and i just look at your team and i'm like this is podcast upside all from top to bottom you know and i like keston i I like keston hero but he was a rookie last year he might not perform like everyone's projecting him to perform you don't know but the same with boba and Vlad fell flat as hell last year and you keep going down all your contracts. And if everything pans out, you look great for the next couple of years, but if everything doesn't, you're the Chicago Cubs where it's like, why didn't we win more championships? You know what I mean? And 
again, and and but even all your one year deals, like when you gave away Garrett Richards for Hosmer, I was like, I I, I like Garrett Richards upside in a in a in a year long or abbreviated season, either or. I, I like his upside, and I don't know if I would have given that away for Hosmer. Um, so again, there's a there. Well, it, real, real fast. I mean, the Garrett Richards thing. The, the I, I was looking at anything. Yeah, because you finally decided that I threw out you some finally names to some people. That is not a good first baseman. So let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. About I, I did. And I, you end up I, with yeah, totally. First base and thirty nine dollars to spend. So. I mean, the first baseman thing was just like kind of how Dom said. It was like going out. I think it was going crazy. And just going back to it, I mean, I did you really thought that like the guy that I wanted was who Sean – I wanted the guy who Sean wanted from Philadelphia. That's who I wanted. Ha, ha, I wanted – um, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted Hoskins. That was like draft strategy number one. I'll show it to you. He was – he was probably my, my third guy on my list. Uh, there was like two AAA guys, then him, um, <laughs> which is weird, but whatever. Um, he, Hoskins was the guy I wanted just because of OBP. I thought he could have had a bounce back year this year. 19, and then he went, he 19, went for the price that he went for again. Left. You know, it's kind of, you know, going back 30, to 30. Or why don't you go to 25? Again, I'm not going to spend money on what my guys are. Like, I have this, I have a pot. It, it might be a flawed policy, it might be a fold strategy, whatever you want to call it. But at that point in time, he was not the only one on my list. I look back at my list and I'm like, okay, after Hosmer, I still got, I got Santana from Cleveland. You know, I had uh, Abreu from the White Sox, who I liked a lot. And then after all that said and done, you still had Edwin and Carcion. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I like him as a fallback option. I still like him. And even after all of that, I still had uh, CJ Cron. And, and he's uh, on Detroit. the waiver wire. I'm like, there's no pick, way no one's going to get why that. Why do you pick guy. him up instead of trading? And he's on the waiver wire. Okay. So where where you know? where did you have Carlos Santana? Well, so what was so that was the thing. Carlos Santana? So uh, I think I had it like four dollars. Four dollars. You went for eight, didn't he? But, but, but that's the thing. Like I had him. I maybe I have a bad. Um, value if you will whatever you want to call it for these guys is that uh even in the bidding but the thing is is that when these guys fall yeah. into this bidding war they're gonna go up that's the thing and we were all bidding on that carlos santana guy and pg even said it in his podcast he's like man he needed a first baseman so he went for him and it's like which which i don't even understand you know i mean I guess like that's his only first baseman. I thought, oh yeah. So like, I guess I, I look at it completely different. So I mean, I'm not trying to badmouth PJ here, but he had he he gets Luke Voigt first baseman only, and he gets Carlos Santana first baseman only, right? And he spent a total of fourteen dollars on those two guys. In my mind, I'm like, why would you do that? I would never spend fourteen dollars on two first basemen that are not in the top. I mean, I mean, I just it doesn't make sense to me. I guess I, I have no idea. I. And that's not what I'm saying. And this is, wait, hold on. It's just that we, there was this bidding war of all yep. these first basemen and they're going way too much what I thought. And again, I, I thought that going back to it, this might not be the season that I, I can win this thing. I might be able to get into it. Um, now, Danny Santana was not the guy I wanted for my first base. I'm not going to lie. But I also thought that I'm really good at trading. Uh, I'm really good at, you know, doing yeah. whatever it needs to do to get done. So I wasn't too worried about it to be 
honest with it. And if you look at my team, I, I had a plan going into it. My plan was to have a first baseman that I was okay with mm-hmm. and to see what Evan White was going to do. Keep him on my play spot. And if he started to tear in the effing cover off the ball, I throw away whoever I yeah. had and I bring Evan White up in a four-year deal. I still have Evan White. I still have him. I have Evan White and a triple A spot as a first baseman. Yeah. So well, that was my plan I mean, all along. And I get that is, and I'm, I'm assuming that this, this doc that I'm looking at is in the order in which they were drafted. So yeah, when I look at PJ's team, why did you take Luke Voigt? Who's only, unless you wanted to sit Luke Voigt on your bench, why would you take him at two bucks? And then later on, yeah, and then later on, it's like a twelve dollar, a twelve dollar exactly. and that's so, why I don't like. You maybe thought that PJ. What's even worse about that is you look at. I mean, again, I'm not. I'm not trying to badmouth people's team. It's just that I don't get it. And in these, you know, this is my emotions coming out in this for sure. But in 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 the draft, Memo goes forty three dollars for you know. I mean, sorry. Um, blah, 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 blah. He went five dollars for Edwin Encarcion, but he actually he got he already had Jose Abreu, and then he goes and get Edwin Encarcion for five dollars. So he just spent eighteen. No, he had he had a twenty five dollars or twenty according to your sorry, sheet, three dollars. He had Edwin Encarcion, on, and then he went to. So, he had a Carcion, so and, yeah, and then he spends eighteen dollars on Abreu. Yeah, right, sorry, thank position you. Field. So and I he, get that. Yeah. I understand that you're you're kind of like, what the hell is this guy doing? So I can see that. Yeah. But they were both doing it. It's like they both of those guys had first baseman supposedly that they I would think liked or were just going to do something with them. And now they're bidding up the a little bit of a better first baseman. And I'm like, really? Like this is what we're doing. And now we're in this bidding war. And both of those guys, Memo and PJ, yeah, have kind of said that they liked bidding up me before. So you know, it kind of gets into one of those things where I'm like, okay, we'll see how high this goes and. You know what? Fine. You guys now mm-hmm. can have two first basemen, three first basemen on your team. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. Know, your, more power I to agree you. with your Evan White um, strategy. I've actually done that. I did it in a draft before ours, and I've done it in two drafts after ours to where it's like, okay, I got a Brayu in a auto new draft for like 12 bucks, And I was like, I am, I'm all over Evan White in the late round for like three or four. And I can move a Brayu and I can have this guy on, a, on the cheap moving forward. So I like what you do with Evan White. I just – Again, I just feel like when you have 40 bucks, when I see 40 bucks and knowing what I've done the last two years, it's like um, that's rebuilding. He's he's pocketing some money for next year, especially when I look at your roster. So that's where those questions come from. Dom, I don't know if Dom has a couple specific questions we can talk about. Yeah. Uh, my One of my questions was uh, Trey Turner, you went 45 I was a little surprised you went after him, considering his his past history and that. Especially when you already had Bobo shot. What was your thinking? Like, what was that your number one guy, or was that just like your number one and number two guy went ahead, or what was your thinking about him that? So my draft board did not have a one through twenty. Um, well, actually, it, it, I, I did have a – I basically – like I said this before on the podcast. I, I've, I basically put all the guys I wanted on the sheet, and I kind of put them in order, uh, you know, going down. Um, it was a little different at the top because I had my AAA guys on the top. Um, the two AAA guys that I had that on the top was uh, uh, Jerry uh, Kalenic and um, 
and uh, the guy from um, what's it called? Um, uh, Dylan Carlson. Those are the two guys I had on top of my draft board. Those are the two guys that I wanted more than anything. I wanted Dylan Carlson and Jared Kalenic. I wanted them. And then after that, it went down to kind of like the everybody else's. And uh, the third guy on the list is we already talked about. Um, uh, but, you know, going after that, I kind of wanted Trey Turner. I, I believe in everything that he's about. I believe that he is going to fill in for the guy, excuse me, who left. I feel I felt like in a, in a full Rondeau, season, the guy on my team, right? He kind of could you, you, yeah, maybe yeah, put yeah, up a 30. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I felt like this guy, I felt Turner and Moustakis were a perfect pair to have on my team. Um, and I liked those guys a lot. They were really two of the three guys that um, I wanted on my team. You know, the other one being Riyamoto. I really wanted Riyamoto. Um, I, I I just liked it. I liked the way that it fit. I, I, I felt like the power, the speed combos were all there. I felt like those two guys together were like my Mike Trout, my, uh, um, you know, my, my Acuna, if you will, the guy that's on Max's team. Yes, Max. Um, but I like those two guys. Um, shortstop was deep. Shortstop was really deep. And with the two utilities, I was fine with having an extra shortstop on my team. And, you know, I knew that the, position flexibility might have been a little weird with that but I was okay playing with whatever and however I could do with it um now after the draft and this um opportunity presented itself to me where I could get Vlad I mean again I mean we're talking about a guy that someone put up a hundred dollars to get screwed screwed everybody else in the way that people are viewed now on prospects and completely after a quarter of a season doesn't care about him anymore and is willing to give him up for essentially what 60 some odd dollars. I'm fine with it. I'll take that guy. I'll take the guy for a, a buck and, you know, know that the pedigree's there, know that, you know, he, he's practicing the Dominican Republic with some of the best baseball players that have ever played this game and know that he's, you know, you know, he's doing the right things. Yes. Could he fall on his face? Yeah. That's a possibility. All this is possibilities. We're playing fucking a game of odds, this silly little game that we played. But, um, I took Trey Turner because I will be honest. I also took Mike Moustakis. I knew that Niz liked those guys. And at that point in time, when I took them, I thought there was a good chance that maybe somewhere down the road, I could have got a trade from Niz for Vlad. And it actually took a lot. It was a lot sooner than it was. So those were very, um, precise moves, if you will. Um, I liked them. I knew Niz liked them. Niz had a player that I loved. And uh, so and behold, I got uh, what I wanted out of it. But which leads me back to what Max said, you know, hey, this might be a rebuilding year for me, but uh, rebuilding with um, the guys I got and the AAA players that I got, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm more than fine yeah, with it. I like your, I like, I definitely like, I had white on my list. And and obviously Spencer uh, Howard, I had on my list too. I thought those two were. You might have been the only one of me and you might have been the only two people with Spencer Howard on our list. I don't know. I, you know, I def, we definitely listen to similar podcasts. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, those two I definitely liked a lot, and I thought those were you know for two dollars, 
uh, for those two guys, I thought that, that, that did a real good job there, especially with the way your team was built before the draft. That you know, those two pan out. I'm like, you are definitely for a long time for sure. Even though you're probably gonna, and real fast, even though you're going to trade them I, before they <laughs> before their the four or five years is up, uh, as you as you say isn't going to happen. But uh, I thought so. Real fast, I just wanted to go back to what Max was saying about that, and you know, I was kind of thinking about it in my head. And you know, you're like, hey, Matt, you got this thirty nine dollars. You know, why don't you spend it? And going back to what I said is like, there's players on my team that I got for a discount way under the value that I had him with. Like Shogi Akinami, I had him at like $7, right? So I got him at $3. I was like willing to go more and I was expecting to go more on him. You know, there's a couple other players on this thing. Like honestly, Garrett Richards was the $2 that he went for. I thought he was going to go for more. Steven Matz, I had him for six, you know, just one player that I like. Josh Lindblom, honestly, I I thought people were going to be on him. And I guess they weren't the $2. I had him for six. I think I had him maybe for a little less than that. Um, uh, clinic. I had him for 15 and I know that, you know, it was a little bit later on in the draft or, I mean, it wasn't that late, but I had him 15 Spencer Howard. I had him for $14. That's what I had Spencer Howard, like set $14 for him and $15 for the clinic. I had the guy that Chris got, I had a $21 set aside for Dylan Carlson. That's what I had him at. And I know these numbers are crazy. And PJ is probably, you know, listening to this like shit in his pants. But I I had those guys at a little bit of higher value, knowing that, I, you know, I was willing to go on it. And if I would have blown up my face, GT really Muto, I had him for 21. Um, so I looked at my draft strategy and I knew that if I was going to willing to spend this much on those guys that haven't been drafted yet, I can't spend the money on these guys that I, you know, kind of want. And I guess, you know, the more and more we talk about this, more I look at it, maybe, you know, quote unquote is more of a rehabilitation year for myself a little bit. Um, But, you know, Hey shit, Max and Dom, you guys got some good teams. So is there any pick that you neglect, you're looking back at it. You didn't get, you wish you wouldn't have gotten the answer. I'll be honest. It's not a pick. They didn't get. Um, I really do wish that Corbin Burns, like I really want Burns. $37 is just stupid for Corbin Burns. I, I, I don't This is stupid. I honestly, I had wish I would have went higher on, um, your guy down. Sonny Gray. I really like Sonny Gray. I like what he does. He keeps talking about his middle finger and the way he like uses his middle finger to press more. Yeah. Um, Was it that was was that Sonny Gray? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Then uh, yeah. Um, Was it one out of four? It was one out of nine, wasn't it? it Oh, was it? I thought it was one out of four. We're talking about his fastball, or was he talking about his yeah, um, the fastball? He, yeah, up in the zone, yeah. right? Yeah, well, one out of nine, I thought, right? I don't know, whatever. Just regardless, me and you are the only two people that even know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, um, I kind of I thought Max bowled me into getting Garrett Richards, but that's fine. 
Um, I, I mean, I thought Danny Santana would have went for more. I was like, okay to get him. I wasn't like, whatever about it. Um, I guess that's about it. You know, I mean, I like my team. I'm not too worried about any of the players that I did get or didn't get, I guess. I'm more, the, what I would be more, what I didn't like is, I guess, much or bad picks was the picks that I didn't make. And and the way that I have this overwhelming, screw it. You, these guys are going for way too much. I'm not going to bid on them type of thing. So that's about it. Nice. Any more questions, Max? Because, uh, uh, no. All right. We want to move on to the, the three, uh, the three division alignment with the West, yeah. the Central, and the East. What were your uh, thoughts on that, Maddie? You know, my first thoughts of it was, um, what did you say? I, I before I even got to text, you were saying that the Central was the hardest, right? I thought, like when I first looked at it, I thought the Central was the toughest. And then what did you think about it after that? After looking at it, I thought it was, I thought all of them were, uh, what's going on with Max? Evidently Max can't hear us. The sheet, where's the sheet at? I don't see it. You hear it? You see it? What sheet he's talking about? Is he talking about the, the Google Doc, I'm assuming? Can you guys see me connected? I'll type it. I got it. He's over here on the, the right. Oh, okay. oh, I typed in there, but um, I don't know. Just real fast. We, we can talk about it for a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that that division was the hardest, actually. I thought it was the um, the 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 West. But then more I looked at it, I think you're right. That Central is the hardest. It's a uh, it's a beast, if you will. Um I kind of like it. I, I like the three big divisions, and I like the the way that it would play off in the in the in the playoffs uh, when they would come down. Um, but um, I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, I kind of think that the 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 uh, kind of sucks. The team that I think it sucks for the most is the Mets. But anyways, yeah, what are you gonna say? Yeah, definitely having <laughs> to play the Red Sox, the Yankees. You know, Washington, you know, Boston. It's like, oh, lucky us. You know, I know you get a Pittsburgh. Yeah. I know you get Baltimore and Pittsburgh and they're in the Marlins. But it's like, that's <laughs> <F-off. laughs> Yeah, I thought, I thought that, you know, those teams, were, it was definitely top heavy in the East. And then obviously the Central, the Braves, the Cup Sox, you know, the, since he's on the uprise. Uh, you know, Milwaukee and, and Minnesota, I thought, you know, and then I thought the West, you had, you know, obviously the Diamondbacks, the Astros, and the Dodgers. But after that, I'm like, eh. you know, thought those, you know, I thought compared to the Central, I thought the Central was, you know, obviously was a little tougher. Obviously, you can't take anything away from the Dodgers, but, but that was my thinking when I first looked at it. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. You know, I, I was listening to I don't even know some podcasts, and they were just going over the bad teams on it and saying how many divisions had 
had bad teams and then they were kind of ranking it that way, which is interesting. You know, and they went through the West, they were saying how like, you know, like the, uh, you know, the Diamondbacks, oh, no, I'm sorry, the, the Mariners and then the Giants or those were bad teams. So you had two quote unquote, like really bad teams in the West, the central you had uh, Kansas city, really and Detroit. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kansas city isn't even that bad of a team, but so you had two, um, maybe one and a half, if you will. And then the East, they were saying how like they had, they had the, uh, you know, the Miami Marlins one, they had the, the Pittsburgh pirates was two. Then they had the Baltimore was three. And then on top of it, you know, you, you still got now, um, up and coming blue Jays, which are, are good. And then up and coming, um, uh, no, I'm sorry. That was it. That was the only really up and coming team, but they were just saying how like the East looked like, you know, a middle of the pack division where the West looked, you know, they had a couple Batter teams, I guess, that's a horrible way of saying it. But uh, long story short, I guess, the Central did basically come out as the, the tougher division. So I was kind of thinking about it, though. Like, the way that this is lined up, it's it was supposed to be lined up for the, the, the way that, like, for flights and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and keeping everyone more central. And, I mean, like, a flight from Texas, if you will, like Houston to, like, Atlanta, is a lot closer than a flight from Houston to Seattle, right? Oh, I would assume so. Yeah, I would definitely. I would assume so. So, like, I, I was th- I was thinking, like, why wouldn't Houston and the two Texas teams, why wouldn't they be in the Central? And why wouldn't teams like Kansas City and, like, I don't know, I, I guess is the best they could do. I mean, Kansas City is pretty close. But I, I, I would think a, a, a flight from Kansas City would be to – Seattle would be shorter than a flight from Houston. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I mm-hmm. literally just look at the I can't imagine head, Atlanta to Minnesota being a very short flight. No, I can't either. I, I will say, though, it is straight up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's same same time zone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that is uh, – that's a little weird on that one. Yeah, I thought – but I yeah, they, I like it. I like the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's cool, you know, you know, being the central playing you guys playing uh Milwaukee playing St. Louis. I think those are all very cool uh, you know, for being for us being central fans of playing each other uh more than we would play the other teams. But uh, I thought, you know, I thought they did a good job of of balancing it. I don't think one's like Super, super great, and one super horrible. I thought all of them have some big teams in there, and they also at least have, I think most of them just have two or three uh, teams, you know, that are out, you know, are rebuilding. But I thought, you know, I thought it was cool when they when I saw that. So you know, who knows what's going to happen? But I thought it made sense, you know, if they did go along that plan. Did you uh, did you, is there any different like matchups that you thought would be pretty cool to see that like maybe you don't see as regularly? Um, what was it? What was it? Uh, like, uh, where was it? like, like uh, for example, like I, I just thought. <laughs> I don't even know how many times you would see this ever. And I don't think there would be with the blue Jays playing the Miami Marlins. Like, I don't know. Do they play each other a lot? I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And but how many times in, in this scenario they play play each other quite a bit, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I thought that'd be interesting. And then the other one I thought would be kind of interesting, like the Seattle Mariners, um, then playing the the Padres. I don't know. Crazy, but or like Houston playing Colorado. I know they did last year. They, they did play each other. I thought you know, after the whole uh, Spygate, I think it would have been interesting to see Atlanta play Boston. You know, I know Boston wasn't, you know, <laughs> that'd be funny. Know, Boston be fun, yeah. wasn't, you know, as engulfed in it like uh, Houston, but I think just, the, the, you know, thumb having, you know, seeing those two teams uh, play each other would have been interesting. It looks like Max can't connect. Um, we can finish it up just by me and you, but I don't know. Max is having some difficulties. So we'll keep going, though. Why not? We'll finish yeah. it up. Like good old yeah. days. And maybe I'll be able to get back on. Um, well, um, I know you wanted to talk about the the pro- MLB prospects. Um, what was your thoughts on that? I know you had a lot to say. Well, yeah, you know, it's a couple of things. Like, Scotty was talking a lot about it, you know. Um, I'm sorry. Scotty texts something about it, and I thought that maybe he was thinking a lot about it. And I've always thought a lot about the minor leagues, and I think this – Hello? Dom, can you hear me? I can hear you now. There was a Sorry, I, small gap in there. Yeah. Um, all I was saying was that Scott text Scott had a text about it and got me thinking a little bit more about it. And I was thinking like, hey, Scott probably was thinking about this a little bit, and I've been thinking about this a little bit. And then I started thinking more and more about it that this is, season's going to be completely different than anything we've ever seen before. Essentially, is what I was trying to go go with there, um, and we had a conversation with PJ about it and how, you know, I'm not saying that he's, I don't know. I think the whole thing that we're our league, the way our league is now is that there's more people thinking about the triple A kind of prospect type of person player, if you will. And now this player is going to be looked at in a completely different view. And I just, I guess uh, not to like, you know, pick certain players out, but kind of just take it back and look at it as a, as a, as a greater whole, if you will. And as you know, a bigger picture thing is, is that the year we have two prospects, the year that we have teams like PJ and maybe like someone like, I don't know, Sean, maybe who typically don't have prospects, but maybe this year is the year that they might have prospects or the year that, you know, um, prospects are just a little bit more, um, valued, looked at, or, you know, sought after are going to, we're going to be, they're going to be looking at, at a season that's completely different than anything else. So if they're looking at this as the season that they, 
I don't even know if I'm saying this right, but there we have people looking at prospects in a different view at a different lens in, in a season that they're going to be valued or um, treated differently, I guess is, is, is the, uh, the right way of things. And I know right now everyone's like, Oh, Matty's said value six times in this podcast and he just <laughs> hates the word, value, but he keeps saying the word value. Uh, so shut up everybody. Um, I, I, I just think that's weird. I think that's not, I think that's different. It's, it's not the way you should be thinking of prospects. It's not the way you're going to value them. And another thing I was going to say was that what's going to happen when all these prospects from what we've heard might come up because these teams are going to be like, Oh, short season. And there's going to be no minor league season. So all these good prospects, let's bring them up. And then next year, these prospects maybe don't do what the team thought they were going to do. So they send them back down and in our rules, we have to put them in a contract. And now we're going to be sitting with maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 prospects on our four year, three year contract spots. And they're not playing for the first six months next year, which is something interesting to think about as well. Um, I don't know. You, maybe you can have your thoughts and I'll go into the Atlanta Braves and what I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely you're going to see a lot more um, prospects, uh, especially the ones that are probably were going to come up right away because of, you know, the contract want to control that extra year of eligibility of arbitration. Uh, so, you know, most of these teams probably are going to want to bring them up because, they're like I said, there's going to be no minor league season. So you're not going to want this guy training on his own and when you can be have them be part of your your system so i'm assuming we're going to see a lot of those guys that are on the fringe and that and i think a lot of it's gonna you know depending on how many roster spots uh teams are going to have how much extension they're going to have and then obviously uh the schedule they're gonna have you know they already talked about at least a double header or whatever so um I think once we get all that, if we do get a date and all that, I definitely, I think that'll put, put that teams make their, their moves and we'll start seeing what kind of cards they're going to play with their prospects. So um, that's where my thoughts were. And I don't mean to put you in the spot. And when I say this is, you know, it's, we were already talking about our teams, but you were definitely, you know, trying to trade Nick Mandrigal in the off season. You also require, uh, uh, um, got, uh, you, you got rid of a triple A spot and then you re required a triple A spot, um, reacquired a triple A spot to get someone, um, that was a highly touted prospect and someone that I definitely like. Mm -hmm. Um, do you see this as a year of, Hey, I am willing to win this year. And I have two guys that are, you know, I would say some pretty good assets. And do you see these guys as a year that if this year is uh, where they bring some of these triple A guys, triple A guys up and try to, you know, you know, win this year, the MLB does that you might trade these guys off to some of these other teams. Is this a year that you, you know, this is kind of going back to your draft strategy and stuff like that, I guess too, more less than that. But do, do you see this year of a, tra a trading triple A kind of the guys? Uh I think it should always, you know, I'm always willing to trade anyone, um, you know, if it helps make my team better or whatnot. So I think it really depends on 
where I'm at and what I need, you know, but most likely if uh, it's been, uh, you know, what, what kind of what happens at the trade deadline, if you're a contender and you need as you, you, you use those triple A spots or those long-term guys uh, to get those one year guys that are going to help you now. So I think most likely if I'm, you know, things go right, you know, I'm happy to sit on them, but if not, uh, if I need to trade them to make myself compete right now, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, so, yeah, that's where my thinking is with that. Yeah, that's good. It's a very uh, political answer there you gave. Well, just, you know, and then uh, when we made our trade, I, you know, I messed up and didn't clarify before that I was giving you my uh, AAA spot with it. So that was, that was my reasoning. Uh, why I, wanted, I got you. Uh, why I needed to get one back. And, and I, like I said before, I'm like, I know PJ is always willing to give up a triple A spot. So that was the first person I texted and asked him. And sure enough, he responded right back with a dollar amount. And I gave him a dollar amount and he came back with a dollar more. And then uh, that's where I wanted because I knew uh, there was definitely a lot of prospects I wanted. And I knew they could either help me now or help me down the road. So uh, that's why I went and got my second one and I knew. PJ would definitely be willing to sell, sell, sell it. Yeah. And you, you and I are, I would say, you know, closer to the thinking of the AAA minor league spot, you know, than other people are. Um, and, and, you know, the, the other people would be people like, you know, that are willing to sell it. That's kind of what I was saying. Uh, it'd be a fun, I don't know, like, um, I don't even know how to describe this, but it'd be fun to see how or try to quantify what that AAA spot is worth every given year. I don't know how you would even do that, but, uh, you know, just listening to you talk about how you, you know, the trade with me and then you actually like the guys that were in the minors and you knew the draft was going to be full with them. So you're going to go get a guy essentially is what you're saying. And, and you, you, you went and got a, a, an empty spot and, you know, someone like PJ who doesn't, man, we've talked about PJ a lot of this podcast. How does that keep happening? <laughs> um, anyways, um, you know, someone like PJ just, or, or Sean, you know, just, you know, didn't give up. Um, you know, you know, just going back to the AAA and I know we're talking about it. Um, just being kind of, you know, um, opening my book a little bit. I'll be honest. Like I um, will apologize to Ken and I've never said this um, out loud that he did a bad job of drop drafting his AAA guys, but um, I don't know who Jackson Rutchcliffe or Rutch, I don't know, whoever the guy he got from Washington, uh, but Luis Padimo, uh, good job, Ken, on that. I think that's a great AAA guy to get. Um, and that was the reason that actually I traded away my guy is that San Diego is deep, deep in starting pitching and, uh, my guy's coming off of Tommy John surgery and I don't like guys coming off of Tommy John. I thought more people would have been in on him, and they weren't. Uh, evidently Sean had a deep passion for this guy or a uh, hidden love, if you will. <laughs> so um, that was that. And then the other guy, uh, I hate saying this too, but um, Gus, uh, your shortstop, I thought it was like, man, that was way too early to get that guy, but 
man, a lot of the guys I listen to, they like him too. So uh, good job on that one too. I don't know. You got any other thoughts on AAA? I don't think it was exactly what we were going to say, Domino, but uh, I like the AAA guy. You like it too, right? Oh, I, I think I was the one that brought up or brought up like add the second one. So, you know, obviously. It's fun. Yeah. I think it brings a, another dynamic, another like um, another taste to the league. It's, it's, you know, you got your savory, you got your sweet, now you got your bitter. Hmm. You got your uh, uh you got your uh, hazy. You're foggy. <laughs> You're foggy. Prospects are hazy and foggy, though. If they you are. think about it, if you want to, they, they're just, you don't really know what they're going to do. You're trying to see, but you just can't really see what they're going to do. Yeah. It's fun. I, I just like them a little bit more, I guess, than. Um, it's definitely than, come I guess, a the, long it, That spot's come a long way since, you know, we started, the first time we started it, and, you know, the, Otterson was like the big guy. It was always ahead of the. He was. You know, he was one of the bigger ones on it. The right. one was like bring, drafting these guys way before it, we, you know, they were even close to coming up. And then, you know, you definitely were in there. And then uh, Scotty. And then I, I feel like and I've come uh, to appreciate it more the last couple of years. Uh, seeing the the value or what they bring to a team in that, and and I definitely see other people definitely see it. even if it's for them for to get the guy as a trade value down the road. Um, it, it's you know a strategy, so you know um, I think it's definitely come a, a long way from when we first started. And obviously, people think. Obviously, people think of it, has, it does bring more to the game that we added another spot. So, um, I think it's good. I think it's good. You know, obviously, it's a little off topic, like football. You know, they don't have the spot, but they're having uh, – we got the spot where you could draft a college player or whatever. So, I think everyone's just trying to get that competitive edge, you know, wherever it is. If it's, you know, getting a guy – you know, a year or two earlier than, and that helping them somewhere down the line, then that's, you know, that's the whole purpose is to compete and hopefully put yourself in a place to win. So. I agree. Definitely domino. But yeah, it's going to be, I guess, interesting with, you know, this year with, you know, the extra spot and, Scotty having all those players, you know, is he gonna, you know, he's gonna, you know, if he go ends the season with all these guys, he's gonna have a lot of things, a lot of decisions to make. So it's gonna be, there's a lot of spots, you know, we're gonna see as they develop throughout through the season and, and now with these AAA spots. So it's gonna be interesting with these, the minor leagues not playing this year and how teams, are going to adjust their rosters and what they're going to do. So, Yeah, I agree. It's going to be something that we've never seen before and just something to watch for. Different, different dynamic, dynamic to this yeah, It'll be interesting. Um, and another thing, like, if, like you, I think you mentioned it, like if some of these guys in AAA spot just come out world beaters and come out of the gate super hot, are you, 
do you bring him up or do you sit on him and wait to see if he cools off or you strike while the pan's hot and you ride it out and hopefully get yourself into a possible short season, get yourself into the playoffs or, you know, and so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Anything else for you about uh, the minor leagues? No, that's it. I'm good. Well, I'm sorry we lost Max. Uh, Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up, buddy? Yeah, I I know everyone's been watching this uh, Michael Jordan documentary. Um, I won't get into that, but um, it's an ESPN, you know, thing. Um, And I was looking at that, and I'm like, man, they've done some good job with some of these ESPN documentaries, if you will, and looking at some of the 30 for 30s. I stumbled upon one that I didn't even know existed and stupid me. Maybe I should have, but it's called silly little game. Have you seen the 30 for 30 for silly little game? Down no, on? I haven't. Do you know what the documentary or do you know what the 30 for 30 for the silly little game is about? No, I haven't even heard it. I don't even know if anybody else on this podcast has it's for fantasy sports. Um, and it basically goes over the, uh, founding fathers of Roto. And uh, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to hear this. Uh, let me know if you can hear it. It's short, but uh, just listen. Did you hear it or no? When you first started, it was a little soft, and then it, then it, it could hear it clearly towards the middle. Okay. Well, at the end, it goes, draft day is the single most important day of your life. And it goes, you know, before that to say that, you know, get someone else to remember your mother's birthday and your uh, mother's day and all these other holidays and everything else. And I don't know. It just is like. I've tried to find this thing on it. I have not watched this and Amazon has it for two ninety nine in HD. So I'm going to buy it and uh, watch it. Or probably might watch it a couple other times. Um, there's a podcast on um, Rotorwire talking to um, the founder of the NF NFBC. And he preferenced a little bit of this uh, 30 for 30. And this is, that's exactly how I heard about it. And I was like, Oh, let me look at this. And, uh, I was thinking about this the other day on my way to work and I was sitting there and all I could think about was me and Scott driving to Northern while Scott wrote on my window shield, the quote unquote, um, uh, uh, whatever it's called, the, the, the rules, the beginning of the league, the rules, the, the, the layout, the, the, what's it called? The, the, the layout, no, the, uh, the outline, no, but the, 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 what's the sheet that they, the, the thing, the, the, the independence, you know, the, oh my God, this is like us trying to figure out what huh. ME stands for. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. People are probably screaming at the podcast right now in an hour and 30 minutes. Um, but as Scott wrote there and what we were going to do and, and wrote it down and uh, the declaration of independence, that's what I was thinking of. But anyways, Scott was, you know, running out my window. We should do this. We should do this. And 
you know, the window's fogging up more and he's still trying to write and, you know, his finger. And I'm like, we're never going to remember this. Like we didn't write this down. How do we remember how we started writing it down? But just thinking back to that day and that, like, there's some moments in my life that I'm never going to forget. And that's one of them. That's that moment in my life. I will never forget. And the amount of years and the amount of time spent and the amount of memories and the amount of frustration, the amount of uh, angst and, and uh, late nights and, and just everything that's gone into this is, is something that I am more than grateful for that. I would not give up for anything in the world. And I appreciate every, every, every second of it. And um, just want to say thank you for everyone that's ever participated in this league. And thank you for everything you've ever done for me. Um, you know, maybe this is more said and more felt in this time of need that in you know, this, this time that we're in right now, but um, uh, just, just, just uh, hearing about this documentary, trying to watch a couple clips of it on YouTube and then trying to buy it. And, you know, knowing that I don't have the time to watch it right now, but I will watch it. And then thinking back to that moment in life and, and thinking of the last like 20 or last 10 years of our lives doing this is just something to me that I just truly, uh, just, just I can't put into words. So, well, Thank well, you. Uh, even though it didn't come out like you wanted to, but was uh, it, you know, what you were thinking and what you wanted to say was, was right on. And, uh, yeah, I it brought us a lot of joy, even aggravation, frustration, but. I don't think we would change any of it, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'll, I'm definitely going to go on tomorrow and look on ESPN Plus and look for that and definitely watch it and it gives me something else to, to do after Nico goes to bed. So look forward to watching that. Hopefully tomorrow yeah. or uh, over the weekend for sure. Awesome. Well, Sounds good. then Max. Sorry, we lost you at the end. Uh, Maddie was fun talking about our teams and uh, finally got around to it. And uh, everyone continue to be safe and take care of each other. And uh, until...